this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Jennifer Wilson. Hello, Jim. Hey, JJ. So glad to see Thank you. Thank you. You know what? We are packing our bags yes. during this series of Viewpoint. It's summertime. It's time to take a vacation, take a break. But right. honestly, it's a little bit of a metaphor for what all of us must do in life. And that is if we really pursue God, it's very likely, in fact, I'd say inevitable, that he's going to call us to pack up our bags and Mm. get out of our comfort zone and do something different than we imagined. Not easy to do. To take us to a better place, (laughs) but we may be content where we are and not want to move. Yeah. Or we might not be so happy where we are, but it's more predictable and more within our means of control than the unknown. And it's too overwhelming to think about unpacking and packing and... Well, what do I put in that bag? I don't want to <laughs> land somewhere where I've never been before and yeah. everything's unfamiliar. And while that can be understood in a geographic sense, actually emotionally and spiritually and intellectually, it can also be understood. And God is in the business of moving us to better places yes. for his purposes. Sometimes we want to take a trip just to go on a trip. And we want to plan it. And I want to plan it. <laughs> and I just want to go because I want to go. But what we're going to study in the book of Exodus today It's about traveling on purpose, not just incidentally and not just peripherally and not just for our own pleasure, but to travel and move and explore and go on an adventure, not for our own ends, but for the purposes of heaven. The world can be changed. Never underestimate, JJ, what one person can do when they're willing to move out with their suitcase at God's bidding. Exodus. That's our reference point. The Old Testament book which describes the Hebrew people, the Old Testament people of God, and how God is moving them from bondage and slavery in Egypt to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And as we're studying their journey, I think we can find our own. Stay with us. JJ, we're in Exodus chapter 3. It's where Moses comes into stark relief. Moses, one of the great figures of all history. Mm -hmm. Earlier in Exodus, it describes his birth and his life as a child, but now he's a grown man and uh, he's out in Midian. Midian is an area of desert. It's kind of desolate. He has run away from his birthplace in Egypt because he's murdered someone there, and he started a new life. He's married, settled down, has a job. He's watching his flocks. Herd sheep. So far as we know, he's content. His life is ordered. He has provision. He loves his family. Everything seems to be in place. And then we find this strange (laughs) twist in his journey. Let's read the first 14 verses of Exodus 3. I'll take it down to verse 7, JJ, and then you pick it up from there. This is the Word of God in the New Living Translation. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Let's just stop here to say that Sinai is the place where God ultimately will deliver the Ten Commandments to Moses. That hasn't happened yet, but ever after, Sinai will be known as the mountain of God. There, at this Mount Sinai, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. (laughs) Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So, the Lord says, I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites live. The cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with heavy tasks. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Moses asked God. How can you expect me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Then God told him, I will be with you, and this will serve as proof that I have sent you. When you have brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you will return here to worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they won't believe me. They will ask, Which God are you talking about? What is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied, I am the one who always is. Just tell them, I am has sent me to you. It's a compelling and fascinating passage that tells us so much about our own journey in life. The first thing that strikes me about this history, J.J., is that Moses was minding his own business. (laughs) Honestly, it was a day like any other. How many times had he taken the sheep out to this little routine? We know that he had lived in this place and been engaged in this work for 40 years. Acts chapter 7 tells us that. So he's been doing this a long time, every day, much like the last, and he probably has little expectation of something being changed up this day. And how true is that for most of us? It's in the moment we least expect it that God sometimes speaks and changes everything. He's just minding his own business. But he had to be willing to step out of the ordinary routine. You know, he'd seen bushes burning before, but it caught his eye, and he had to be willing to go over and investigate it. And I think that's key, like, for me to set aside my own agenda and my own plans and purposes for those moments when, what, that was different, something's going on, and that changed everything. Absolutely. He wanted to explore. That is key, JJ, that we have to be open to the new and the different to go and explore. If we only view life through the predictable lens of what we have already known, we will never discover the greatness, the glory, or I would suggest even the plan of God. He stops and he says, hmm, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to explore that. You know, I had an experience that's kind of like a burning bush experience in my own journey, J.J., I'm not sure they're routine or that they come commonly, but I've had some. When I lived in Seattle, which was my home, and I had an ordinary routine every day, five days a week, I suited up and went running outside around a lake in Seattle called Green Lake, about three miles around, and I did it every every day, five days a week. And then the church where I was serving then was just above the lake, and I would pack my clothes so I could run the lake and go up to the church, and they had a gymnasium with a locker room, and I'd shower up and, and get ready for the day there. I did that every day. I did that for years. One day. I'll never forget it. In January of 1991, just one day while I was running the lake, at a particular point, I could point it out just like I'm sure Moses could point out this bush place in Midian. 
while I was running, and the sky was kind of overcast, not unusual like there. Like it always is. <laughs> but in a Seattle sky, you often get just a little patch of blue, what they might call a sun break, as the sun comes up and heats up the air. Yeah, there's a raft of sunshine here and so on and so forth. And I don't know, there was this little blue patch that opened up, and as I was just running, I saw that. And then that blue patch turned into deep, multicolored hues of blue. And then what took shape in my mind's eye was a stained glass window. It was so vivid, I could have drawn it, I think, on a piece of paper if asked to. And I might have just let it go. It was like, well, what's that? Or I saw a movie, or I was watching TV, or read a book. But there was something about it that arrested my attention. I had to think about it. And in my mind's eye, I just stared at it. And as I did... I knew what it was. It was a stained glass window in the North Anderson Church of God here in central Indiana. It is a place that I would be called to be the pastor. What's so bizarre about it is I made a decision to stare at the window not knowing what it was, and then, as I did, it became clear to me what it was, and I knew, I just knew somehow God impressed on me, those people 2,500 miles away are going to ask you to be their pastor. You can think I'm making this up, but it was just like that. I didn't know anybody in Anderson. I had no connections to it at all, but I knew it was going to happen, and I was terrified, but it was my burning bush. And the next day when I go back to my office, a day later, my assistant came to me and said, there's a man on the phone. He's calling from Anderson, Indiana. I knew what it was when he told me. My mouth just dropped open. And the man said, I'm calling on behalf of the pulpit committee of the North Anderson Church. They want to know if you'd allow your name to be considered as their next pastor. There are burning bush moments that change the course of everything. You can be minding your own business, running around Green Lake. You can be out with the sheep in the desert of Midian. But that odd wrinkle, that unusual moment... If you're willing to stop and think, it may be the doorway through which God is going to walk into your life. Moses begins to go over and look. And as he began to walk towards the burning bush, God then draws him closer, calls him out by name. And God spoke to him and said, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Moses responds honestly with terror. He hides his face in his hands. He is afraid to see God. I want to suggest, JJ, that whenever we have an intersection with God like this, and they do occur sometimes in life, when you see that God is actually intervening in your life, that that this window is open to heaven and, and the most high God is actually engaged with you, it's exhilarating in a way, but it's also terrifying because we suddenly realize how small we are and how great is God. And he then understands God is speaking. In all of the power of the moment, God discloses his heart. He says, this is who I am. I am a God who hears the cries of my people. And it's my ambition, it's my plan, it's my purpose to respond to their cry and to set them free. I love the version, this English version says, I have come to rescue them. I love that. Who doesn't want to be rescued? The heart of God is disclosed here. God is in the business of redeeming Mm. and restoring and setting free. Jesus says the same thing when he comes into the world. We know that Jesus has told us when we see Jesus, we see our Father in heaven. And Jesus is saying when he walks in this world, I've come to heal and proclaim and to free and restore. It's the same ambition. It's the same heart disclosed. Moses sees that. And while we all want to hear that, the next shoe to drop is a little bit intimidating for Moses because 
the plan of God to redeem is going to involve Moses. Moses. <laughs> Verse 10, now go, for I'm sending you. You will lead my people. I want you to pack your bags, Moses. Mm. I want you to get up from this comfortable existence where you have lived, where you have married, where you mm. have birthed children, where you have a job, where you go through your routines, where you are, in a way, the master of your universe. I want you to leave all of that behind because in order for me to deliver these other people that are far, far away from you, you can't hear their cries, but I do. I'm asking you to relocate and to move. Pack your bags. The reality that there are prayers going up right now all around this world, we can't hear them. But there are how many untold millions who are desperately crying out to God right now for deliverance. And the reality that in God's redeeming plan, it's very likely he's going to use us to be the vehicle of his redeeming truth.
J.J. Moses is at a burning bush. It's on fire, but it's not consumed. The bush is talking. (laughs) And Moses knows he's in the presence of God, and God is disclosing the kindness, the generosity, and the intention of his heart to deliver people who are oppressed. And he's saying to Moses, and I want you to be my instrument. I want you to be the person, the catalyst for their deliverance. So pack up your bags and let's get down there into Egypt and get the job done. But Moses (laughs) isn't quite ready to get the suitcase out yet. No. What are some of the reasons, do you think, that he's reluctant to obey? Well, you know, Moses has a little record. (laughs) He has some baggage already. He hasn't dealt with He escaped Egypt because he saw the oppression of the people, and he tried to fix it himself. Many years before. He killed the Egyptian slave driver, and then someone saw him, and so he fled. And he hasn't ever gone back to fix any of that. Now it's 40 years later, and somebody probably still remembers. (laughs) We all have a past, don't we? I mean, when you think about it, how could God use me? How could God put me in a position where people know about my past? How could I be exposed to the danger of apprehension because someone's going to remember what I did or who I used to be? The fear of the baggage we carry often stops us from packing our bags and going forward. But JJ, I think it's good for all of us to remember, no matter what kind of baggage we have brought to the moment, Lay it down, set it down at the cross, and let God give you a new suitcase, mm-hmm. something that you can travel with with confidence, because he will replace your old bags with something new. Yeah. He is in the business of setting us free. And so he's essentially saying to Moses, just lay down your guilt, your shame, your fears, and your doubts, and let me give you a new suitcase to go back to the place where you once before had been less than your best and give you a fresh start. That is a great lesson for all of us. Don't stand still. Don't refuse to be God's instrument because you're fearful of the baggage you're already carrying. But there's another reason I think that he articulates. Mm -hmm. He says, I don't have any status. I don't have a passport here. I don't have a credential. I don't have any station. I mean, who's going to believe me? Who's going to listen to me? Why would I go and talk to the Hebrews? They're going to look at me like, who do you think you are? And how could I speak to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt? In the time of Moses, the most powerful by earthly measure persona on the planet. How could I walk in there and say, hey, you, I've got a message for you to change things up. Who's going to pay attention to me? And yet God, I think, responds to Moses and helps him understand that he doesn't need status or station as the world's measure. He needs to find his identity in God. In God. I'll tell you what, Moses, you go... You go down there, and if you're not confident in who you are and you feel like your name doesn't amount to anything, you give them my name. You let them know that you're not here on your own design. You are here at the bidding of heaven. But what am I going to tell them? What name do I drop, God? <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Who's sending drop. me? Who are you anyway? We use the word God in the English language, and we often use it with a capital G properly to represent the divine, the supernatural, the amazing creator God. But the word God is not a personal name. It's a moniker. It's a, it's a label. Just like, J.J., you could look at me and say, I'm a husband, or I'm a man, or I'm a father. I mean, all those are, are labels that properly apply to me, but it's not my name. My name is Jim. So when we use the word God, we're not calling him by name. We're, we're labeling that persona. 
but does he have a name? And here is where the name of God is introduced to us most clearly. And it's a strange name by our (laughs) hearing. The name is I I am. am. Why does that matter? Well, think about I am. In the English language, it's the present tense. Yes. There is no past tense. There's no future tense. I am is the state of being, transcendent Mm -hmm. in all ages and all times, outside of time, not bound by chronology, not bound by the creation, not bound by anything. I am who I am. This word so sacred, this name, that it was not even repeated by the Hebrews in the days following. Jesus used this reference point for himself Mm. because he described himself as I am, which is one of the reasons why we know Jesus was himself God. Who is sending me? Moses, you tell them, I am sent you. The Egyptians have many gods. They all have names, but nobody's got a name like this. I am. Now, there's one more reason I think that Moses was fearful to travel. I think he feared rejection. Hmm. I don't have station. I don't have status. I have baggage. Bottom line, I'm fearful that they'll simply box me up and drop me into the sea. What's going to happen to me, God? And the Lord is reassuring Moses, Moses, just trust me. I am sending you. And because the great God is directing your path, you can trust me. All things will work together for the good. But you need to be an instrument in my hand for this deliverance. Moses has a choice to make, doesn't he? He could have walked away from the bush and said, I'm not doing it. I mean, the truth is, many people walk away from the call of God Mm -hmm. and say, I'm not doing it. God could say, get out of that relationship. It's unhealthy, and it's drawing you into sin and shame. God could say, I want you to walk out the door and find a new career in the ministry because what you're doing is not my vocation for you. God could be saying, I want you to leave behind these habits, these disciplines that are not enhancing your journey as my instrument. God can call all of us to move, to pack our bags, to change up. And we always have the choice to say, I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay here in Midian. I'm going to stay at Green Lake in Seattle. I'm not moving to Indiana. I'm not going to go to Egypt. Just get somebody else to do it. You've got lots of other people you can call on God. But Moses decides to go. And all of history is changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything Everything is different in all of history. And I'm not using hyperbole here. All the history of humankind has been changed because at the burning bush, Moses said, all right, I'll go. How about you? Where is God calling you? It may be that you're just with the sheep out in the desert right now. You're minding your own business. You're not looking for anything. But somehow, someway, as you have listened to this broadcast, you're afraid maybe God is calling me to pack my bags maybe to not physically relocate, but to change the way in which I am functioning or living or breathing or doing, giving or saving. Wherever you are today, know this. God has a plan for your life, and he wants you to travel through this world on purpose, not by random chance, but for heaven's ends. And you can be an instrument of God's will too. Start with us. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful that you know every one of us by name, you know exactly where we are, and that you have a unique destiny for each one of us that you have brought into being in this world at this time. We're thankful for the witness of Moses, a man, a person, just like we are. 
a man who was used in the most extraordinary way as he was obedient to your call in his life. And for all of the bags that he already carried for the mistakes of his past, you gave him a fresh start. May we never forget that and find ourselves also in that story. I pray, Lord, that you will call to us, that you will call us all to a life of adventure and daring, of achievement, of change for the good. Help us to travel through this world on purpose. Help us to pack our bags on your cue. May we be surrendered now into the will and way of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can walk with God and travel on purpose, if you'd like to talk about anything, just give us a call. Dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're always by the phone, and we're always very glad to hear from you. Or if you have access to the internet, find us at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Ministry. You can send us an email, tell us your story, ask us your questions, and we will respond. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But by whatever method you choose, please, let us hear from you this week. Don't stand still. Don't do nothing. Be willing to pack your bags and move with God. JJ, thanks for being with us. Always glad to see you. My pleasure. And thank you for tuning in today. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Thanks for coming alongside. We hope you'll join us again next week as we dive deeper into Exodus. Until then, stay tuned.